Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with husband and wife team Nabil Boomrar and Caitlin Weeks. Caitlin is a certified nutrition consultant and the creator of grassfedgirl.com. Nabil is a classically trained chef who works in a five-star hotel in downtown San Francisco. They are the best-selling authors of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Together, Nabil and Caitlin answer your questions about healthy cooking and wellness while helping you learn to enjoy a relaxed paleo primal lifestyle. Here are your hosts, Caitlin and Nabil. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grassfed Podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. We are interviewing Maria Emmerich from MariaMindBodyHealth.com, and she's a keto, low-carb expert with lots of knowledge to share with us about her new book. Uh, It's called Quick and Easy Keto Cooking, Ketogenic Cooking. So it has meal plans and great recipes that are quick and easy. So we're really excited to have her, and um, I'll tell you real quick what I've been up to just keeping things going around here on the blog. We have some great new recipes. Check out all the new things. I have a mask that is an easy green tea mask and I also have some new low-carb recipes up there too because I know whenever I write about low-carb my readers just love it so that is why we're having Maria on. So what's going on with you Maria? Well I am just here in the middle of a snowstorm but um I'm just so uh, happy to be on your podcast. Uh, the Quick and Easy Ketogenic Cooking book just came out, um, gosh, was it two weeks now? Um, and so actually just excited about, you know, having that in my hands. It's, you know, you know how hard you work and, you know, put together a book and the pictures and the cooking and the editing and to actually have it in hand is pretty fun. Yeah, there's so many moving parts, and you're like, is this ever going to all come together? (laughs) I know. Something that people don't think about is all the the behind-the-scene work and costs that go into it, and um, everybody's like, well, you get to eat this yummy food, and what's funny is by the time it like gets to the table it's usually cold I like to take my pictures outside because they just take so much you know it's just so bright and crisp and half the time it's frozen like Craig my husband Craig he's like nobody likes a frozen steak yeah or uh and but the thing is you probably wouldn't eat that fancy if it was just for your I know because we had so many dishes that they were so intricate or whatever's not like normally we just eat a hamburger patty or something yeah you know, so. yeah exactly so it's like, but that's kind of what this book you know became is um this is how we roll you know this is it's quick and easy and that's what everybody wants and you know they they worry that ketogenic such a difficult way to eat and my whole family even my five and six year old eat this way and so that's why it has to be kind of quick and easy because not only am you know I'm a nutritionist working with clients, we also homeschool. So I guess like optimizing my time is really important, and um, that's when this book kind of started to be you know important for me to write because it went from my husband and I, which you know we had a lot more time to cook or you know whatever, to throwing a toddler and a baby into the mixture. 
it was like, wow, this is really hard. <laughs> yeah, the the slow cooker becomes your friend, huh? Are you a are you an Instapot person too? Well, I have never. I don't. I don't have an Instapot. I need to, you know, try to get one of those. But I do have three slow cookers that we use often. Yeah, I mean, I don't have one either. People are always asking me for that, and I'm like, well, I don't want another device. You know. I know. I'm a minimalist. Um, I don't like a lot of gadgets. My mom likes them, and so she's always sending to me, and I'm like, I'm not going to use. I, I, I grate my own cheese with a regular cheese grater. I don't need a, there's some fancy cheese blender thing. Or I was like, no. I, you don't need an avocado slicer? No, or the egg slicer, the hard-boiled egg slicer, and like a cheese knife. It's called like, a knife, yeah. That'll yeah, work. exactly. Um, I'm the same way. I take, like, all the stuff to Goodwill, like, every day. Yeah. Um, so your new book has lots of dairy-free options I've my sister t- immediately stole your book from me so <laughs> but she was telling me all the things she likes about it oh when, thanks um so she said you have a lot of dairy-free options and you have a meal plan an easy meal plan with weight for weight loss that mm-hmm. she likes yeah and those are all dairy free and nut free too there's um actually no um i i have some like almond milk but i also have a nut free option but there's actually no nuts or nut flowers i find that um people do best when they eliminate those you know even the blanched almond flowers and things like that can be kind of inflammatory for a lot of people so i just thought well let's just stick it to and plus that stuff gets expensive. And so let's just stick with the basics. Yeah. And um, so I did. um, It can be a way of eating like thousands of calories without even realizing. I know. I know. People underestimate that, you know, those almond, you know, nut flour products, they add up a lot in not only, um, you know, that, that inflammation, but the carbohydrates add up and that's a big misconception is that people subtract the fiber from total carbohydrates and they really should be counting the total when they're trying to achieve ketosis, which I write about in the beginning on all those common misconceptions that, you know, when you go out into the blogger blogosphere, there's so many like, you know, flaxseed is a good ketogenic food and I would say that it's not for x y and z and you know that's what i try to you know get into because, in the book because it's hard to digest or well well it's an estrogenic um you know so we're worried about you know when i think of estrogen dominance yeah um you know ovarian cancer um even prostate cancer in men thyroid cancer all of those are estrogen dominant cancers and so things like that, I, I, I make sure to um, try to educate people not to use those. Sometimes but, the, I mean, you, you kind of read both sides of that because some people say a lot of the cancer blogs and stuff, they say, you know, it, it helps to clear estrogen. <laughs> so because confusing. of the fiber? I guess, or they're, you know, I don't know, they're plant estrogens or so they're, they're, they're more... I don't know. Your body knows how to deal with them or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would recommend the good it's a good book called The Fiber Menace. Okay. Um, yeah, so that that's a, or maybe even have them on your podcast. That would be a really good uh I I'd totally listen to that. Well, I'm definitely sure. familiar with like the 
the idea, especially for like IBS, about fiber being, you know, mm. more really hard on your body to, you know, if you are having a lot of digestive issues. Yeah, yeah. So that's just where I'm getting at at that. But, um, you know, the dairy-free, like you said, your sister um, mentioned that. But uh, we dabble, uh, you know, I, I try, I, I don't like to be a hypocrite. So anything I ask other people to do, I like to follow that. So I haven't had a drink of alcohol in over 10 years. But that's because I don't want to tell people, like, let's cut out the alcohol, and then I go and have drinks. Um, I also ask most of my clients to go dairy-free, at least in the beginning. So I like to, you know, when I'm making my meal plans, I want to try the food, test the recipes. So most of the time, we're eating dairy-free anyway. Um, and that dairy can, you know, hold it's a common allergen. You're familiar with that. And so, um, that's why if there is dairy, I always give the dairy free option in most cases on how to make the food dairy free, just because that was, I want everybody to succeed. And, um, and I mean, a lot of milk, I mean, can be insulin. Yes. Producing. And also, right. Also, most people are, won't buy the the high quality dairy that exactly. is going to be organic or grass fed or raw or whatever. Yeah, yeah. In um, our state, uh, I was at the farmers market um, in the summertime anyway, and they had a booth for raw cheeses, and they said since it's illegal to sell raw milk cheese, this is sold as fish bait. <laughs> So that's the way they get around doing that. But like you said, yeah, a lot of people aren't buying the organic, you know, without any hormone type dairy. But even so, and um, a lot of the, you know, the lactose can be, um, it is, you know, uh, insulin producing. But a, a lot of the ketogenic diets, they would, you know, they do a lot of cheeses and even the not, you know, stuff without, you know, a lot of lactose or butter and things like that. But Man, I find people that get stuck when they eliminate dairy, they're so much more successful. Yeah, and I mean, just heavy cream. I mean, I could sit around and drink coffee with heavy cream all day long. And, you know, you by the time the day's done, you've drank a pint of cream and you're like, oh, yep. I'm on a diet. It's like, no. I know. I get that. The, the bulletproof coffee people, they're like, yes, I fast until noon. All I have is bulletproof coffee in the morning. It's like, well, you're not fasting then. Yeah. So, you know, let's take a step back and really, you know, try the intermittent fasting without the bulletproof coffee. But and if you eat a stick of butter, I mean, yeah. that might not, I don't know. I mean, and if you have a dairy sensitivity right. to go along with that and then. And it depends on your goals, too. If you're trying to lose weight, we have to step back and, you know, think about what we're putting in our mouth. Um, if you're in maintenance mode, it's a whole nother ball game. It's a lot easier, but um you know, weight loss, that's what most people are looking for. And so that's what I try to um, focus on in the book for people. But I do have maintenance meal plans in there too. And um, that's really good. I mean, because I'm not a meal plan person, but um, because I think, you know, like you, I work at home. So like, what do I need to plan for? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I'm always home. So like plan, I walk to the grocery store and get more food if I'm um, hungry, so I don't really have to plan, but a lot of people are kind of like a type and they like to plan everything out. And so I know a lot of people do use those and 
I know that they love they love that. So I mean, I think it's really good tool for well, people. especially with like um, ketosis. It's um, I know Victory Belt, the publisher, mentioned that not a lot of their books have the breakdown of. I'm like you, I'm a minimalist, but a lot of people are trying to get into ketosis. And so having the breakdowns of not only like the calories, but the percentages, is it, you know, 80% fat, 20% protein, you know, like they want to know all of that. So um, being able to get into ketosis, because everybody's different. Some people can handle more protein than others. For some people, a pork chop is definitely not ketogenic because it has about 56 grams of protein in it. Um, that would be like, I'm writing, uh, the recipes for Dr. Rosedale's new book. And I said, do you have any guidelines? And he said, as long as you don't go over 20 grams of protein at one sitting, we're going to be good. Um, and that (laughs) is extremely hard. That's like a four ounce burger patty. It is. It is. And he's talking for even men too. Again, he's dealing with metabolic syndrome. And so, (laughs) which most people have. I know, to be honest, it's true, but that's why a lot of people don't succeed on in ketosis because they're doing way too much protein. Yeah, um, I've definitely done that. It made that mistake just, um, oh, I, and I think just overall, of course, the protein is a big thing. I think especially for women, I, I mean, I think men can maybe get away with more protein, but, mm-hmm. um, but also just portions in general. I think, you know, when you tell people go low carb, it's just like it becomes like this free-for-all of like steak and just yeah. just huge portions of everything because it's like, well, I can't have sugar, so I'm going to binge out on anything yeah. else that I quote-unquote can have. And I think, you know, it, wherever you push the needle too far one way or the other, I mean, you're mm-hmm. not going to get results. And, I mean... Yeah, Yeah, probably kind of it comes back down around to the same issue. Like, you can't, you kind of have to eat mindfully no matter how you eat in any way, you know, because you can't just pick out and then be like, why didn't I, you know, lose my dress (laughs) size on? Yep. Yep. So that's why the details are, I mean, it's very detailed in the serving sizes and all of that. So people would would be successful. But, you know, even besides the weight loss, I mean, my kids, um, we adopted from Ethiopia and they were actually underweight and under height, off the charts low. And on the ketogenic diet, they've actually got onto and are at like the median level for height and weight and they're growing like mad. So that's why, you know, when people, you know, downgrade the ketogenic diet, it's like, well, they actually had malabsorption issues and they don't anymore. So um, that's why I like to say it's not just for weight loss. It's for a lot of gut healing and things that they dealt with. Um, So, I've seen, you know, a lot of different powerful messages come across. Um, especially, I mean, it can be helpful for people with, um, you know, mental illness or yeah. stuff like that. Uh, but, but yeah, that's another common misconception. You know, they think, oh, well, they're, a kid is so skinny. Well, they just need to eat everything and anything and. But it's like, well, they're not absorbing anything because yeah. their gut is like a spaghetti strainer. So yes. that's why they're not gaining weight. Like if they actually started absorbing their food yeah, um, that- and paying attention to, you know, the common f- uh, food 
you know, food allergens, yeah. then yeah. they could probably heal up and then start to put on some weight or for your kids, you know. Yeah, I actually asked um, a parent to have their son who was, I think he was um, 10 or 11, to get his ferritin checked. And she said, well, the doctor laughed and said that he's not a menstruating girl. Why would I even suggest that? And sure enough, his ferritin was really low. And that's be it was just showing me that he wasn't absorbing, you know, the nutrients properly. Um, but I just was kind of like, you know, why would you... I don't know, think that only a female that was menstruating below in ferritin, but that that's, you know, besides the well, that's, point. So. That's for like old school thinking. It, but it is, but that's what we, I mean, I was just, I spoke at this conference on Sunday and the lady before me was a dietitian from the hospital. Mm. The hospital actually that my grandfather um, passed away from diabetes at. Oh my um, and she was saying that you have to cut out saturated fat and cholesterol, substitute that with um, healthy vegetable oils like canola. And I was like, oh. man. And so I started my presentation different than what I planned. I said, Okay, so we all agree that babies would thrive with breast milk, right? Like, that is probably a perfect food for babies, right? Everybody's like, yep, yep, yep. And I was like, did you know that it's primarily made up of um, saturated fat and cholesterol? And I went on to describe how that helps with the baby's, you know, sexual development, their thyroid, and all of that. And it's like, that's the same, you know, so do you think that as adults we should cut that out? Yeah, it's like we should do a 360 or 180 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, cholesterol makes healthy hormones. And so that's why I just, you know, it's still, yeah, it's old school, but it's still being preached out there. I know. I mean, I've heard <clears throat> Jimmy talk about, you know, that there's like a 50-year gap in the scientific knowledge <laughs> and the actual, you know, practical application Mm -hmm. of what we know now um, yeah so i guess we just that's why we're doing our work right yes. now, yes yeah but yeah. you just you're just a, a fireball of energy i mean how do you have so you have so much going on all the time <laughs> i mean i cannot even like brush my teeth i mean <laughs> and you've already written another book well i'm really i i really love to be in the kitchen that's where i um, I don't know. I just really belong there. When I was younger, I always wanted to open a restaurant. And my dad's like, don't you dare. That's like, you're going to work your butt off and never get a break. And you work nights and weekends and you know, you're never going to, and everything's perishable. And so I get, I think this is kind of my way of, um, having my own little restaurant for my family. And like, we like to entertain, like we're having, um, Easter brunch at our house and it's all keto and, um, you know, that's that's just the way I really I'm really happy that way I I'm actually I live in the woods like I bow hunt and fish and do all of that and I would prefer to just stay in my kitchen and you know I'm not a big phone person but I have to be for my job and stuff but I would prefer to just cook and that's why Victory Bell's like you're doing more recipes is like but that's where I just love to experiment with food and my kids really like to cook and even to see my little five-year-old take little pictures of his food before he eats it, I think that's so cute. He's like, I'm writing a cookbook. <laughs> they are. Your kids are so adorable. <laughs> Thanks. Um, maybe I'm going to get some, too. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so what are you have written? I, my sister tells me she's your big fan of yours. Um, that you have written about the stevia differences. Yeah, yeah, a big. Um, I just went to speak at a group last night, and they were asking about you know. Can I always use stevia? And I said, well, does anybody have stevia in the raw in their house? And a few people raised their hand. I said, I want you to go and look at that because there's something called maltodextrin in there. And sugar has a glycemic index of 52 and maltodextrin is 110. Oh, really? And that's what you also find in Splenda. Not that I'm recommending Splenda, but, you know, it's these additives in there that I don't think stevia is bad, but the additives definitely are. The one I like to use is stevia glycerite, which is attached to an amino acid, so it doesn't have that bitter aftertaste. It's it's almost thick like a honey, um, and so that's what I um, primarily like to use or suggest um, when I recommend is that a using that brand on Amazon or something. Um, the Now brand makes it, um, but. That, yeah, that's the only brand I've actually had in my house. Um, but it is, you know, a more palatable um, stevia. Sometimes it can get bitter um, when you're making things like that. But, yeah, that's the one. But it is. It's really important to look for those different additives that they have with yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I mean, this morning my aunt was asking me about getting Truvia. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, can you find something else? And yeah. Because there's always stuff in it that's not, you know, you don't know what it is. And, right. And so, and it's GMO. And yeah. Made, it's, like, it's made from corn erythritol versus, you know, uh, erythritol can be made from corn. It can be made from fermented fruits and vegetables. So, you know, being your best advocate is, um, you know, gonna you're going to benefit from that for sure. So is there, I mean, I know you do use erythritol too. I usually, um, in the book, I um, said uh, Swerve, um, that is manufactured in Europe, um, and I say or equivalent, which I have the charts on how to convert that to, like, stevia, because you'd use quite a bit less in that case. Okay, but, but so if somebody was picking, so what's special about Swerve that makes it okay? Um, it's non-GMO and, um, the, the, you know, besides like how it's processed, it's, you know, it's not processed like the Truvia is and things like that, but it also has a really nice, um, flavor. Uh, it doesn't have that, um, sharp cooling effect that sometimes erythritol can have. Um, and it measures cup for cup like sugar, which is nice. Yeah. So, that, you know, that's, um, that's what I use. If people want to cut sweeteners out, not every recipe needs that. It's just the desserts, you know, so you can easily, um, you know, get by without using any of that if you don't feel comfortable. But honestly, I, you know, I have no problem using it for myself or my children. And it's probably not something that you eat on a daily basis, like, or make treats every day for your family either, you know. No, and that's what's cool is that your your palate definitely changes and you don't crave sweets anymore. Um, that, like, even, like you said, the heavy cream, you know, if you go back and don't use any sweeteners whatsoever, um, I just, uh, 
use some heavy cream and my kids like without adding anything to it they're just like oh this is like a dessert this is great you know <laughs> yeah just on some raspberries or something and then they yeah. get like super sweet all of a sudden yeah mm -hmm, for sure so uh i was gonna ask you like people always ask on my blog and places like what are some good keto snacks Ah, well, what's interesting is a lot of, you know, if you're eating high fat, a lot of times um, the need for snacks do go away, um, but you could definitely do, gosh, there's like, let me open this up, but I mean, something, you know, like olives and uh, sardines. No, I'm just kidding. Well, like, yeah, I have a blog post from a long time ago. It's like treats instead of Halloween candy. And I think I put sardines in, like, people were like, oh my God, you're crazy. Oh, really? <laughs> but I don't know. I, I love sardines. But yeah, but I think that's the main point is if you're eating meals, like, you shouldn't be wanting yeah. so many snacks. I mean, I think yeah. black, black coffee is a great snack. <laughs> and um, you know, like an almond milk latte or something. I mean, yeah, I just, uh, I think it was the onion. So it was a total joke. Do you know what the onion is? What? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was that, um, Americans now eat one constant meal throughout the day. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but then I saw, a, a, you know, a serious article saying that gone are, the, the days that we actually have meals because people do these hundred calorie snack packs, like 10 of them a day and can, you know, throughout the day. And that's their, the way of life for them. And they, you know, the way people are getting so busy with running their kids to sports and activities and, um, you know, all of that, that we're not actually sitting down and having meals like my we don't have snacks at our house. We have three meals and that's how we roll. Like they just, I mean, sure. I'll make their popsicles and things like that on a nice summer day or whatever. And we'll definitely do that. But, um, we don't really do snacks and things like that, but you know, I don't know snacks. I'm just looking through the book here, like the chocolate breakfast custard, you know, mm -hmm. but of course that, that would be more of a breakfast. Um, but, you know, you can do things like that. But um, I do I have the BLT chips and dip. I have the moosh-boosh platter. And I did, uh, like, pickled eggs and, um, you know, different things like that that kind of make it fun. Um, Ita yeah, Italian poppers. But, again, that's something that I would serve maybe at, like, a Super Bowl party, um, you know, in that case. Um you know, crudite with dill dip and I'm um, drink some water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like so, sometimes I get a, like a green juice, like that's all the greens. You know, just like with lemon or something, mm -hmm. just kind of as a as a pick me up, and you know. But you really got to analyze, like, well, did I not eat? anything all you know all day or why am I hungry right now you know did I stay up all night looking at yeah. my iPhone or something that's, that's exactly right I always talk about sleep and how even after I spoke on Sunday I I often have a hard time shutting my mind off because I'm thinking about oh you know I could have done better here or, you know whatever whatever happened um and then like the next day without that sleep I am like a bottomless pit for sure yeah uh, um, but, oh, I was going to say snacks, 
our go-to is deviled eggs for sure. Mm-hmm. We always do a deviled egg, um, but you know, usually I'll have that even on a salad or something uh, for a lunch. But deviled eggs are like a perfect keto food because they're dairy-free. They're you know super easy to make. Um, you know, if you're if you're uh, you know if you don't have your homemade mayo, you could use a paleo mayo like Mark Sisson's mayo or even avocado, like making it like a guacamole and filling it with that oh, yeah. or something like that. You can even, I mean, you can even use the avocado like to make a quick tuna salad or salmon salad. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have any mayonnaise. Yeah, like I told you, I fish a lot, and so we have a lot of canned salmon that we make, and um, instead of doing, like, a tuna salad, we do a lot of um, salmon salads, Um, and that was in the other cookbook with Jimmy Moore that I did. Um, I did a salmon salad and then, you know, a different dip with that, so. What are the main differences between this book and that, your other ketogenic cooking, is that what it was called? Um, the ketogenic cookbook, that one, um, you know, this one's definitely quick and easy. I I wanted, I made sure that nothing, if it does take a long time, it's usually in the bonus of the back where it's about smoking, smoking foods. We do that quite a bit. Um, it's really easy to smoke foods, but it takes a long time, but I was really adamant about, you know, um, making everything really easy. Like the deconstructed creme brulee, it's, you don't even have to bake that. Like it's so, I just really wanted it, you know, to be quick and easy for everybody. So that one, um, the, the, the ketogenic cookbook, that one has more technique to it. I would say like it has a duck confit, which, you know, that's going to take a little while to do. Um, not all of them are hard, but I guess I just had my mind around everything. I want it to be, you know, quick and easy. Did you plan them both at this beforehand? I mean, did no, you have I didn't. In mind, <laughs> Jimmy, I was blessed to have Jimmy ask me write the recipes for the first book. Um, and so that's where that one came along. And then um, when I, you know, told Victory about how much I love doing it, they were like, well, you want to do another one? We want you to do the quick and easy book. So that wasn't even on my, um, mind until you know they kind of brought it up and it's like yeah well that's how we roll and that's because I have to now with kids so it was kind of easy to come up with um you know the recipes just because I was kind of doing that already um so that's where that came along and I'm actually um they are the I'm almost done with the book for the 30-day keto cleanse, which will come out in January. So that one's, um, (laughs) but that, you know, that one is going to be interesting, too, for people. You're like a machine. (laughs) But like I said, you know, I want people to be able to do it on their own. Um, You know, they they don't need me to counsel them anymore. You know, like, I would prefer to do this and just say, here, here's a book. You can do this. You know, just take the time to read it. You can do it. You know, are you still having clients anymore? Or just, yeah, a couple every day. So oh I try God. to do that before my kids wake up in the morning because not everybody's in the United States anyway. So, okay. some, you know, like six, 6 a.m. my time, you know, it's usually like two their time. So it works out good. Oh, okay. Like there to an afternoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So I was wondering, there's kind of this idea in the paleo community that being in ketosis is like bad for your adrenals. Can you sort that out for us? You know, I don't even, I, I don't know um, who came up with that philosophy because I even posted on my Facebook, um, someone sent me their results like before and after and how their adrenals totally healed. Um, so I'm not exactly, you know, sure where that's coming from. People say that they're sleeping deeper, which helps with, you know, all of the adrenal hormones. And um, what's interesting is T4 is converted into the activated T3 in the liver, not in the thyroid. Um, and so your liver health determines a lot of that, like adrenal fatigue that happens and stuff like that. So getting that liver as healthy as possible, we know that excess carbohydrates bog down the liver, just like, mm -hmm. you know, foie gras, they force feed the duck um, uh, what am I trying to say? Dried fruit in Roman times, you know, mm -hmm. because they knew that that was going to cause a fatty liver. And so when we eliminate, you know, the fructose, which we know, um, goes right to the liver causing fatty liver disease and the juices and, uh, you know, all of that type of stuff, that liver gets enhanced and the liver enzymes go down. And so I don't know where that came up. I, all I see, all I know is the facts that what I see and their healing, so. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's not just, maybe it's also, I mean, could it be that they're pairing it with, like, maybe they already have stage three adrenal fatigue and then they're, like, yeah. still working out like crazy? Yes, yeah, working out in the afternoon, doing marathons, you know, all of that type of stuff. And honestly, that happened to me. I was, um, you know, doing ex these extreme marathons and um, I would run in the morning. This is before kids, obviously. I would run in the morning and then I would do another run in the afternoon and I was putting on weight and I was eating the same, like I'm like a dog. I don't mind eating the same thing all the time. Um, and I was putting on weight. I was like, what the heck's going on? And I know it was, I was just elevating that cortisol in the afternoon when it should be falling. I wasn't sleeping um, and you know, it was just a big snowball effect going on there. So yeah, it could be a lot of stress. I think that people are just taking on so much and you know, I, I do too myself, but I also, um, learn to, you know, balance it, ask for help. I, the only way I could do this is because my husband's awesome. He, um, helps me at home. He does a lot of the homeschooling, like, I haven't done laundry in a year because he does it. Like, you know. Well, I mean, you're, it, you're, that's your family business. I mean, it's not. Right. Right. I know, I mean, but it sounds like I'm, you know, doing all this stuff. And it's like, I, you know, I, I do have a lot of help. So I don't want to, you know, be like, you guys need to relax a bit. And here I am, like, you know, not following what I'm saying. <laughs> well, but I mean, I think when your passion and your mission are intertwined, then, you know, you have endless, I mean, not endless, but, you know, it's, you're so driven. And yes. I'm, and I feel the same way. Like when I'm working, I just love my work. And yeah. so it doesn't feel like it takes energy out of me. It's like, it gives me energy. And, you know, I think right. it's different than it would be if you had a job or something like that where you were working 
for someone else or something. Yeah, you have to find, you know, what makes you happy. So if you're in a job that's not making you happy, you need, you know, like a, you know, a hobby or, you know, but like, this is what makes me happy. So waking up at 6 a.m. is like, that doesn't, like, I'm like, all right, you know, what what's on the docket today? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like this. I mean, I'm the same as you. I love to cook and I love to take pictures. Yeah, and you can see that through your Instagram and everything. Yeah. Uh, and I love to eat, of course. So um, <gasps> so let's see. What are some of the... Oh, do you recommend people do like this eating window thing? Yeah, I was always... Um, you know, when I went to, you know, school with nutrition, eating every two hours was always what I was preached. You have to, you know, eat within, you know, a certain amount of time of waking up um, to break your fast. Um, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And the more science that, like, comes around to it, intermittent fasting is not, I'm not even talking about weight loss. Weight loss aside, I'm talking about brain health and how, when you start intermittent fasting, your cells can start um, repairing themselves because it's not focusing on digesting and doing what it needs to do with the food that you're consuming. It can repair the mitochondria. So fasting is awesome for anybody with mitochondria issues such as cancer or things like that. But it's also awesome for like brain function we now know that like Einstein and a lot of the top scientists would were would fast because they knew that they were in a more focused um you know way of thinking when they would um do intermittent fasting so it's not even like weight loss aside um I find that intermittent fasting is great for like mitochondria health Dr. Jack Cruz are you familiar with him yeah I know, right? You're like, yeah. He doesn't think it has anything to do with food. He thinks it all has to do with the mitochondria health. I was like, well, maybe it's both. How about we go there? But, um, you know, I do think that the mitochondria, you know, I, obviously the health of, you know, your mitochondria is huge. And it's only when you can, you know, start fasting and, you know, that type of stuff. Can you start to heal that? Well, I think, I mean, I, if you're tired all the time, you definitely have a mitochondrial issue. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, when I was in personal training school, it was our, our teacher. That's all he talked about was mitochondria. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He never heard the end of it. But, uh, I mean, I think that the, I think the fasting, don't you think that, though, if somebody... I think there is a period of adaptation. Like, yes. I don't think, because I used to have, you know, clients, they would come in and they had been eating the sad for, you know, mm -hmm. ever. And they, I, you know, it was very, very hard for them to skip breakfast or any of that. I mean, so it, only after they had been, you know, doing, you know, first at like a paleo and then later on, maybe they would try a low carb diet, then they could think about maybe skipping meals or something, but if they were just right. eating granola bars and <laughs> cereal and, you know, um, lean cuisines, they could not no. just jump into fasting because they were so messed up, uh, in a blood sugar with blood yeah. sugar regulation that, uh, they would just pass out or something, you know? So, yeah, for sure. If they're, you know, definitely in that pre-diabetes stage, you know, what goes up must come down. And so, um, you know, when you're eating that high carb diet, um, you know, after, 
you know, after it goes up, it's going to come down. And that's when you, a falling blood sugar, even not a low blood sugar, but a falling blood sugar, that's when hunger happens. And so that's why once you actually do get into ketosis, that blood sugar stays nice and even. So you're going to get hungry, but it's not hangry anymore. It's not like I need food. I need food. Um, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's time to eat now. Like, but you can handle it, which I used to be hangry. I mean, um, in the beginning, I write about my story. I, I grew up overweight and I grew up the hangry person and I grew up with metabolic syndrome and I grew up with hormone issues and estrogen dominance and, you know, PCOS and all of that. And now it's only now that I am balanced and, you know, I'm, I'm back to normal. I don't feel that hangriness anymore. Um, so I guess I just bring that up because a lot of people think that, oh, you were always thin. It was always easy for you. It's like, no, uh, Jerry, I remember Jerry in high school saying fat girl in a little coat to me in high school in front of everybody. Like oh, it's, yes. it was not easy for me. And I grew up on a very, you know, uh, non ketogenic. <laughs> I love my mom, but you know, we were, she was just, she was taught that, you know, um, what, what am I trying to say? Like the, the, um, kind of like just cook, cooking. It was old fashioned. <laughs> cooking was like means that you didn't, uh, oh, you know, the, like, the modern woman would do like the microwave meals, oh, and, yeah. you know, that type of stuff. And, um, yeah, so they, like you see that in Mad Men when they, yeah, they are always yeah. introducing these new foods and like, oh, you know, just open the can or whatever. Yes. Yeah. That's what, you know, she was taught. So cause she always hates it when I bring it up and it's like, mom, that's what you thought was the way to be. And well, that you know, was the programming you know, at the yeah. time of like, get out of the kitchen and you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, my grandmother, I mean, you can see the difference in, I mean, my, the, the philosophy of my grandmother who was cook everything from scratch. And yep. then like my mom was like, I'm, you know, whatever the women's liver type. And, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but my mom, she can cook really well, but I don't know. I feel like when people get older, they quit cooking altogether. Like, but when I, know, you're, like, I hope I never lose that passion. I, I hope know. I never do. I think that, I mean, I to me, it's about feeling good. And if I don't cook it myself, then I don't mm-hmm. really, it usually doesn't feel that good to eat it. So hopefully I'll, but that's where your book comes in handy because, you know, when you are coming home from work and you're tired and, but you don't feel any creativity and, but you don't have any time, you can just throw something together really quick and yeah. everyone before you have that meltdown of like, let's go to Domino's, you know? (laughs) So, um, I put that in my Amazon review. So, Oh, thank you so (laughs) much, Caitlin. Um, well, I think that was pretty much all my, Oh yeah. I think that's pretty much all we, we need to cover today to get people excited about ketogenic cooking. And I mean, I think, you know, not not everyone is going to be able to do keto for long term, but I think mm-hmm. the principles, I mean, I think everyone can, but everyone may not want to or whatever. Yeah. Um, they, But I think the principles uh, of that, you know, you teach are so good because it's like we need to not be afraid of fat. We need to eat healthy, you know, non 
animal concentrated feeding operation meal. Yes, yeah. And uh, the, you know, and if you haven't tried ketogenic diet, then you definitely should try it. I mean, if anything else, it's going to help your brain work better. And, you know, but if you aren't, if you aren't getting those results, it may mean that you have to work with a practitioner to figure out, you know, if you do have some kind of food allergies or a gut, you know, SIBO or a parasite or something. It's not just cut and dry. Oh, that diet doesn't work. Well, there's, there's probably some underlying issue that's going on with you that is, that needs to be addressed or a thyroid problem. Of course, my favorite, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which everyone, everyone I think has a thyroid problem, but (laughs) well, what I like to say is that we're all on the same page. Like some people get really like competitive and it's like, we're all trying to get people off of processed food. And I think that the more we get our messages out there as a team together, the more like healthier people are going to become. Like that's my goal. So whether you choose a paleo approach or ketogenic or whatever, like getting that processed foods out, you know, you're going to be somewhat successful if you do that. And so that's why I just, you know. Well, and I think also keep cooking is a form of self-respect and taking care of yourself. And it's so therapeutic, too, I think. Yeah, and, you know, just the intention of, you know, I'm taking, I'm cooking for myself, I'm taking care of my health. All those things are going to multiply in your life, and you will get the results that you want eventually. And, you know, it's a journey getting healthy. It's not an overnight thing, and it's it's a long-term lifestyle. It's not just, okay, I'm going to do this for you know, 30 days and then it's mm-hmm. over and I'm going back to, you know, Burger King. It's like, no, yeah. um, you, you need to look at this as a long term and you just have to keep tweaking to find the right thing for you. But I think this, your new book and their other book, uh, the, the, the book you did with Jimmy, I think those is a great combo. And along nice. with Mediterranean paleo cooking, yeah, get all those three sure. and you'll be set for, a long, healthy life. So, and you can tell us where they can find all your work, Maria. Well, I'm, uh, I have my blog is mariamindbodyhealth.com or Facebook at Keto Adapted. Um, I'm on Instagram at Maria Emmerich. Awesome. So, totally streamlined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it's hard to get the same name everywhere because it's yeah. already taken or something like that. Yeah. So, um, well, everybody go check out those books and we will be back next time with some new hot topics about nutrition and health and low carb and paleo. So thanks for listening. Go over to iTunes and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.